Cyberpunk spearheads the news. And we talk about it. That is one of the best cold openings ever. Thank you, Saul, for that. That was fantastic. And we talk about it. Like, <laughs> we, what else are we here we, for? We will indeed talk about it. Uh, hello, and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you lucky episode 193. 193. If you're new to the show, uh, stick around until closer to the end where you can find out where you can find us on social media platforms. If you want to watch the episode or listen where you can do those things. Uh, and if you want to support the show further. But for now, we always start the show off with a real time-honored tradition. And that is a very simple one. Saul, have you played the games this week? And if so, what? Um, I played a little bit of Destiny 2, but that's a... Not answer because everybody knows that. I didn't play a lot. I started on. Let's see. I think Thursday. I, I played for a little bit and then. Um, so the, you went Monday through Thursday? No, 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 no. I started this week playing on Thursday. Oh, like okay. I didn't. I, I played one game up until then this week, which we'll get to here in a second. But um, yeah, I played. Played that because the dawning came out, and I always like the dawning events in Destiny. Um, mm. Rip Sparrow Racing. Um, but, uh, yeah, like there's a gun that I want, and I'm on vacation next week, so I think I'm going to try to grind out for the gun just to give me something to do. Um, but I also have been playing Hades, and I've played Hades for about 30-ish hours now, I think, is what Steam says. Um, From Sunday when you downloaded it. Yeah. That's nice. That's That's impressive. It's... Okay, this is going to sound bad, but it's not. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be. But it's still a fantastic game. Um, I, I It throws me off at how this is one of the few dungeon crawlers that I see get oh, like all kinds of rewards for it. When To me, the only thing special about it that sets it apart from all the others is the art style and the music. So let's back up for a second. Is it a dungeon crawler or is it more of a roguelite both like it is so it's like a roguelite in the trappings of a dungeon crawler yes so essentially what it is is that um you go through the game like a normal dungeon crawler where you are going through a isometric top down in style fashion of dungeon rooms sure the thing that this game does really really well is that the doors in the rooms have an icon and the icon shows you what the next room's reward will be okay so yeah. You can do all kinds of different things with rewards, like keys unlock weapons, and then um, there's a purple currency. I can't think of what it's called now. That can unlock abilities and stuff, and it gets much more deeper later on as you go. And it's good, but I was expecting it to grab be grab me by my full attention, and I guess 30 hours in a week isn't enough for that. Um, but games, that sounds like it got your full attention more than a lot lately. Games like uh, Enter the Gungeon and um, what was that other one called? I can't think of it. It was Enter the Gungeon. There's another dungeon crawler roguelike that I really, really, really liked because of just the amount of replayability in it. Well, and I mean, hey, would you call it a... Again, I guess I don't think... Roguelite. Yeah, and I guess I didn't really think of that either. I don't consider Enter the Gungeon to be a, a dungeon crawler, even though I guess in a lot of ways it, it technically is. Yeah, like roguelite are typically designed around the random or personage. Okay, so that is... It's, it's a roguelite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, roguelike... is more hardcore. 
is <laughs> basically what that comes down to. We've had this conversation. Unlike roguelikes, roguelites have a heavy persistent carryover between run. See, I just that's a I, I, I hate. I'm assuming. Are you, so, are you not talking about Dead Cells since you don't? Do no, it? Dead Cells was good, but there was something else that grabbed my attention, like you know the guns you did. Now I can't think of what it is, and it will come to me. I'm sure. Wizard of Mana or whatever was one of the one. I think is what it's called. Is uh, what in the heck was that? Is that what it was called? Wizard of Mana. That sounds way too easy of a name. So I don't. I don't think that's actually right. Either way, it was a very much like being a wizard. You saw me playing it one day, uh, being a wizard version of Enter the Gungeon. Yes, I remember you playing that. Yeah. I, I played it because the the running in it is very Merlin esque, where you when you run diagonally, you just glide diagonally. Yeah, Wizard of Legend. Wizard of Legend. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Now there's something else though that I can't think of what it is now. Um, oh. Um, Hyrule of Cadence or whatever it's called. Oh, Cadence of Hyrule. Cadence of Hyrule, yeah. Where it's technically, I don't say, I won't say turn based, though. I guess it kind of is. Everything it's, it's moves very interesting in emotion yeah. with a, a rhythm. Yeah, and that one that one's addicting just because the music in that one was it was remixes and stuff of of older songs or just very Zelda like music. Yeah, I remember but, you loving that. Yeah, Hades Hades is good. Don't get me wrong, but I was expecting to be super addicted to the game, and I'm not. Um, but yeah, like I, before we move on from that, it's funny listening to you describe it at first. I don't, I don't, I know that you played this version, so I'm just curious if thinking back about what you said, if you kind of pick up on it. Until you talked about roguelite, it almost kind of sounded like you were talking about Kingdom Hearts: Chain of Memories, which is a third-person isometric game where you go through rooms. The doors have icons on them to let you know what's behind them and what you need to unlock them. Yeah, I didn't even think and about that. And it changes what reward you get based off of how you're going. Yeah, I didn't think about that now. Is that a roguelite? No. <laughs> well, you know what's weird is I get the rooms themselves are because as you go to and from back, certain doors will be open still and other ones will be locked again with different things behind them. What's in but you can also help. You can change a door if you have certain, excuse me, certain cards. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, but like, what I like about this game, of course, is this, that your progress. Um, it's very much like Dead Cells, and it's very much like um, Enter the Gungeon, where if stuff you unlock, certain vendors pop up, and that you can go to those vendors and like say if you spend three keys on um, the spear. I can't think of the spear's name, but it's uh, what I do like about that game is that the Greek mythology, like all the characters that show up, are very real mm-hmm. in Greek mythology, and that's really cool. And the, some of the weapons are too. Some of the abilities hint towards that as well. Um, but of course, like if I unlock a spear, I don't have to unlock it every run. It's unlocked so that when you, you go through, uh, to your like bedroom and then you go out and then there is this, this chamber that has a training dummy and then, then you can change your weapons and all the weapons that you unlock stay unlocked. So like, say if you want to have a spear run, you just grab the spear instead of the sword you start with. Okay. That's a little interesting. Yeah. Cause dead cells kind of approached it more of like, you can have a higher chance of your starting weapons to be better weapons that you've picked up in the past and liked. But yeah, that's a little that's a little different. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I'm having a good time with it. I still play it on like a nightly basis um, because it is it is a challenging game. Like you will go through a door in a dungeon early on, and of course you're meant to die a lot early on just so you can accumulate enough um, currencies to buy different keys and abilities and stuff, sure. or to buy different weapons and abilities. But um, yeah, like you'll go through a door, then all of a sudden they're all like yellow barred or, or further, and it's just like, well, this is going to be rough to do, and if you aren't adequate at the game adequate at, at, adequate at the game then yeah you're gonna die again 
Do you think that you're, because it's, it's interesting. It sounds like you like the game a lot, but you're running into the thing that where a lot of people do, where when you don't play a game naturally on your own and find your own random love for it, and instead you hear a bunch of yeah, others. I it's think like, that's what it is. And I get it because it's like I always say, when you when you have something that's built up an expectation, even if it's like a smaller level, you can take it to the personal level of like you go to a fast food place, you get a burger, and you tell them you don't want mayo on it. But when you bite in and suddenly there's mayo, you're like, you're mad. that's not the expectation I had. <laughs> so since you weren't prepared for it. But then I think you have this game where it's kind of a similar but almost – opposite where you have expectations and you're trying to prepare for those expectations but then the game ends up setting up its own thing where you're like i like it but it wasn't what i had pictured from all the talk that had happened around it slay the spire that was another one that i couldn't think of for sure for unknown reasons yeah right um but yeah like i I said i've been enjoying it um when i checked steam it was was 28 hours so practically 30 hours in um yeah, because I played for like five hours, six hours on Sunday, I think, and then I played a couple of days this week, and that would, and I played this morning, um, so that definitely makes sense. Uh, but what have you been playing? So mostly Cyberpunk, and I'm gonna go ahead and technically spoil some news. Uh, Cyberpunk's hot fix 1.05 came out and aimed to fix a lot of the problems that console players are experiencing, and it continues the game's mileage may vary aspect. It's a big aspect of the game. In that, for me, the game has not crashed a single time in about another 10, at least 10 hours of gameplay since that update. Um, A single time, when before that it was crashing about every two hours uh, while driving, always while driving, which I always thought was a weird thing. Uh, But... The that took up the majority of my time. I did keep going through and doing the occasional singular, maybe two or three at the mo- max uh, tries of that level from Sackboy. Yeah, and the one from last week you were talking about. Yeah, and still haven't gotten it. <laughs> Got a little further, but still haven't gotten it. So. I, and every time, as soon as I feel like I'm, you know, I'll do it. Instead of getting mad and getting to that point, I just turn the game off. I'm like, okay, I tried. Now I'm going to go do something else, play something else. Uh, I played Demon Souls, which I did play last week, and I think I forgot to mention. So I played quite a bit of Demon Souls. Uh, did a lot of grinding because I absolutely hate uh, 4-2, where the, the third Reaper is just in a weird spot. I got past the third Reaper. Um, after doing a bunch of different stuff and kind of going off and changing the order I was intending to play. And um, whenever all that happened, I got into the next area where there's these slugs and it just like occasionally explodes in that area. I think it might be could do a little wisp or whatever, but I was almost through it to, to like the end where I'd be done before two and the explosion got me. And so I just wow. turned it off. I was really mad. Uh, so for the majority of this week, it's been floating between cyberpunk and um, Demon Souls. But last night, because the day before that, Friday, uh, my longtime buddy Donovan messaged me and was talking about uh, the Destiny 2 thing, and he was like, uh, what do you need to do for the Platinum? And I told him, I was like, I don't know exactly what it is, but some new type of Nightfall that you have to do. And then he starts talking to me. He's like, well, I don't really know what I'm wanting to play right now. And I'm debating trying to Destiny out since it's got the PS5 update. He goes, would you play with me? And I was like, I guess I will. So I downloaded it, deleted the PS4 version, started playing last night. Played for like five, four hours, I guess, maybe three. And 
got from 1050 because of course I haven't played in forever. So my minimum power level of 1050 was there and I got it up to 1109 as we were going through stuff. Um, so I know you said that the one you need, uh, is the Grandmaster Nightfall. Yeah. Okay. We ran the Grandmaster Nightfall the other day and it wasn't that bad. I didn't think so. So what's the, what's the requirement for power level? Where are you? 1280. That's not bad. Donovan's pretty close to that. He can't be. I'm 1265. Well, he's already played the game though. Oh, okay. I was like, he, he, he just, already he already ran through the whole story and everything. Uh, he just dipped out of it again. Yeah. Well, you have to be 1280 non artifact based. Okay. I, I, and I'm still not understanding artifacts. So I, I don't even see yet how it's playing into my power level. I don't think that it you, is yet. If you go highlight your artifact, if you've leveled it up at all, it gives you levels. It that, says next artifact something at this i've done it at least once. there's like a little uh, light blue star or like a little light blue emblem and then it has a number next to it that's the power bonus you get from it okay so like mine is plus 10 because that's the max it'll go or no it's plus 12 i'm sorry it's 12 or 13 i think and i think actually the more you unlock the more you level up your season pass past level 100 it, it gives it more chances <laughs> to go up i think yeah, we can get into a lot of the changes that they've made that are absolutely stupid. But realistically, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't really matter um, based as um, anything except for high end level activities like that. Like it doesn't even matter in the raid because because your artifact is active in the raid. Sure. So in the grandmaster, your artifact is not counted. Basically, is what you're saying, right? Okay. So played the game PS5 60 frames per second, a lot better. Game we've Absolutely. known for a long time the game needed it. You've been playing it on PC that way, so you know. But it needed it. So console players, at least on PS5 and Series X, have that now. Great. Um, the thing that I was probably the most excited about, because even Warframe on the PS4 had it, surprisingly, I can't believe it, Field of View Slider. Yeah. On console. That's the biggest. I'm so happy. That's the biggest. Like I play with the max Field of View. Plus, yeah, 105, I 105. think. 105. Yeah. Yep. That is the biggest like you gotta have it yeah donovan wasn't even quite sure what that was he's like what and then he did it and went back he's like oh yeah okay i see uh i love that i absolutely love that uh so that's that was nice now here's where i come in i don't feel like they did much which it was interesting hearing you talk about that before we started recording because i was trying to just not necessarily say i played destiny 2 but um when hearing you talk about how for the PS5 version they went in and updated the textures, to mm-hmm. me, the texture resolution doesn't look higher at all. Their shaders don't look any different on their fur. The way that they actually go through and have geometry, the geometry still looks like the same geometry from PS4. So things that are sp- supposed to be circular but are not, because of the resolution bump up to a native 4K, it actually ends up making them look more hard on the edges where it looks like an octagon instead of a circle, even though it's clearly not supposed to be. And... I was kind of hit or miss on the fact that certain parts of the game look better. Like the, the new area for beyond light, I was really disappointed. I thought it looked not that great besides being a clearly cleaner 4k image, which was nice. Yeah. But then after a little bit, we finally went back to the tower and I think the tower looks much better than it did. Yeah. The tower, like it's, you could tell why they're having to remove stuff just because they are trying to make things prettier. Yeah, I don't know. There's still a lot of things that I wish detail-wise they would have had. But I guess the biggest thing that actually got me going up to the PS5 version was uh, it is there, and I do like it, and it's a little bit better. But I don't think it's as good as it could have been, which is the uh, haptic feedback. It's better than the the DualShock was, but I wish it was a little more. Right. Secondarily, the PS5 version does not have haptic uh, the adaptive trigger support at all. 
Oh, I which didn't know that. was a bummer because you know in comparing these two, which just because it's two that I've done recently, I feel like what they did with Warframe moving it up to PS5, it got haptic feedback, it got the trigger adaptive trigger feedback where every gun feels a lot different, and I really loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, it brought the game course up to 4K 60 frames per second, but it also completely redid their tree shaders, their grass shaders, how much actual fauna is on the ground in areas, like grass yeah. is higher density, there's more trees, stuff like that. Um, shadow you know, detail went up and was better, which I do think might have been something I saw in Destiny. I don't remember shadow um, detail being quite as high as it was. So when I was looking yesterday, there's like a hut in the middle of the ice on the place you start, and it's got a pole going up with a little whirly thing on it. And when you look at the shadow, it's crisp. So I was like, that's nice. That is something like it's. There's a lot of little finer details that you almost don't pay attention. Like I didn't pay attention to it as much mm-hmm. just because um, it's one of those things that like you're, you're less it's side by side. It's hard to tell. But like going from PC to console made that kind of easier because mm-hmm. I'd play from PC on sometimes play on console and just things like clear textures on your gloves and yeah. stuff like that. That's what I really meant is like you will see. Like, obviously, it's not going to be a different-looking game, but, like, there's definitely crisper stuff in the game. Yeah, but the weird thing I got is it looked like some of it was just you're just seeing the texture that was already there better because now you're playing in a native 4K. Um, but the other thing that got me is, like, again, going back and forth, you see Varix, right? And yeah. then you go and... Of course, this is something I hate a lot of games do. And I didn't I don't like it in Diablo either. I didn't like it in Godfall. Even though they're cool and in their own little merit by themselves, they're cool. But in the game, I hate that Destiny leans so much on pre rendered cutscenes. I just would rather see the game in engine and then go to ga- gameplay with no weird buffers. And also because every game that does it, including Godfall, every single one of those, the video is compressed. That's how, Why is it so compressed? It's like it looks more detailed, but it looks squished. That is everybody's main complaint with the game. But that was a problem in Diablo three. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, the cutscenes in Diablo three are really cool and really well, really well handled. But they're compressed, definitely on console, less so on PC. Yeah, that that is that's something that we've all talked about when we're playing, especially like when you hop into the raid. If we don't skip the cutscene, like it gets brought up. It's just. It's one of those things that I think that no matter what, it's always going to get brought up because it's just so jarring. Well, I guess to me it's a stylistic choice that's unnecessary. You know? I think the game looks fine to where you could enough to where you could do all cutscenes in engine. It's like I talked about with Final Fantasy VII Remake. The majority of Final Fantasy VII Remake is in engine, and then suddenly at the final fight, it's pre-rendered, and it does. It's like you've given me a whole game of seeing these characters, and suddenly they look softer, and their details are less. You know, suddenly Cloud's nose isn't as sharp as it was, or as pointy as it was. It's more rounded off because it's a pre-rendered cutscene. To and be it's fair, soft. I thought that made it so much better in that one instance because it looked so good. I hated it. I would have rather just seen it in engine. <laughs> that was that was like that's that's one of those where I'm like, you know what. That that that's the juice right there. That that looked good. Well, I'm glad you liked it, but there was that. But then again, where I was going with that is that you see Varric's in the cutscene and his hair shaders on his little coat, the fur around the neck looks awesome. I'm like, okay, cool. That's a pre-rendered cutscene, though. I know it's not going to look like that. But then you go to him. Although they didn't update the hair shaders at all, it looks so bad on PS5. It looks worse. Well, they've done because it's higher. It's now you have a higher resolution, and you're seeing more clear just how bad that the the textures are, the shader rather for the hair. And I guess it's because I played Miles Morales recently, and even in the 60 frames per second of Miles Morales, 
the shaders for the coat for around his thing is so much more fine and separate and different strands. And there it's just a bunch of clumps. <laughs> it looks so bad. They've, they've also did something to human characters. Like human characters are ugly now. Yeah. Like it, it's, I don't know what it is, but like, it, it's pretty agreeable that among the community is like, yeah, these human characters just don't look good at all. I was trying to figure out what that was. Was it like, I, I don't subsurface I, scattering on the skin, not playing out right. If that's even what it is. Also, you'll come across a glitch too, where it is you'll inspect somebody's character and they just won't have a face. It's just <laughs> like you, the hair will just be floating over emptiness. Well, either way, going through it, I, I know that these complaints are interesting. I told Donovan I haven't been playing very many online games lately. Uh, so coming back to this, I guess when you get something like Destiny to move, I really wanted it to feel more next gen. And it does feel much better. The game needed to run at 60 frames per second. Yeah. And more on the content itself, Beyond Light, the actual subclass, which I really hate that you've got to go through the entire storyline to unlock. But when you have those little pockets of it letting you use the subclass for a little bit, the subclass is amazing for my warlock. Um, I'm absolutely loving it. How it's turning your melee into a ranged attack. A staff. Uh, the fact that you can sit there and just freeze enemies and break them and it does area of effect damage. It's awesome. It's, I really like the new subclass. The this new the new subclass for just about every character is is pretty even in how awesome they all are. Yeah, I like the the ice grenade wall where you can make your own cover or block enemies yourself. Well, not only that, there and is <clears throat> there's something that where if you um, I'm trying to think of how to explain this, you know, in Destiny One, the subclass trees were completely different. They were nodes that you would assign items to. I do remember that, yes. If you notice, go to your stasis subclass screen. I can't because I don't have stasis. Oh, subclass. yeah. When you unlock it, go to it. It's the same thing. Okay. There, you unlock. Now, I will say this. Well, and they brought back the stranger. You will, Yes. You will probably never unlock all these. They're called aspects. And mm-hmm. they're, they're basically like the they're unlockable uh, abilities you can slot in those nodes um, in, your, in your class tree. Okay. They are grindy to get. So grindy, I haven't gotten more than one. Yeah, gotten, I'll never get one. I've gotten one. Yeah. And I will I will end up going back and getting them again, I'm sure. But, like, right now, no. I'm not not risking the biscuit on that one. Well, basically, my, my takeaway from this all is that uh, two things. Interestingly enough, been playing Cyberpunk. I, I moved to Destiny perfectly fine. Now, I don't know if that means that Cyberpunk's gunplay is similar to Destiny's. I, I legit told Donovan last night that I was confused because I got on and outside of being low power level because I was trying to power through the story, um, I was doing fine. Like, you know, I wasn't missing shots. I was doing it. It's just if I got hit because, again, something that Cyberpunk does, what I really love and I wish other first-person shooters would do is cover-based first-person shooting where when you go behind cover, it's almost like a third-person shooter where you lock to that cover and then when you lean out, you're like automatically tilted to the cover wherever you're at. I oh, love that in Cyberpunk. I didn't I, see that earlier. Yeah, but if, if you actually go through and do it, it's awesome. I really like that. So I'm playing that way, and I keep going behind cover, and I'm like, I can't shoot behind cover. So it feels like I'm just supposed to stand out there and shoot. I know that's not exactly what it is. It's just, But the gunplay itself felt really similar, and um, I was mentioning that last time I played the game, I got in to do a raid, and it took me time to reacclimate to the game. And yet I moved from cyberpunk to this and had no problem. So I don't know if it's because I've been happened to be playing a first person shooter or if it's just close enough, but overall I was kind of just like, I don't know. I wanted a little bit more out of this next gen upgrade. It's fine. Whatever. It's ultimately okay. But then we kind of got back to the thing of 
Destiny just has this thing where it's like you've got to grind everything out, and it's just the way they want you to play the game. And while I had fun last night, and I'm going to try and keep playing and hope that it manages to get hooks in me, just like you said, Donovan played it. He played Beyond Light, got through it all, and then quit playing because he didn't have anybody to play with. The game, most of the reason I had fun last night was because I was playing with Donovan. Yeah. So like a little bit to your point, I don't necessarily know as strongly. Me and Donovan talked about that. It's not that it's a social gathering for us just yet. That was like Diablo 3 for me and him. Right. But this game really needs someone else to interact with while you're playing, I feel like. Otherwise, it starts to fall flat. That's that's exactly it. I think that it is a fine enough game that if you want to play by yourself or if you, if you have to because you don't have people that play, it's perfectly fine in doing so. But the experience is made ten times better when you have friends to play with. And I think that's yeah. honestly like if I didn't have – Somebody to play that game with, I'd be playing Final Fantasy um, 14. Because yeah. I played that game entirely solo up until Kiki Started. played with us. And I, it was so fun with just doing it anyways. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Destiny. It's just, I don't know. I found myself not even caring about the story last night. While I was going on, like, I was trying to listen. But I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I the- was a little bummed because I thought it would be really cool if they would have had it to where uh, you have a dark ghost and a light ghost. Because I thought it was weird that since the traveler is the thing that gives you the light and that's where the ghost comes from, why wouldn't the dark opposition to the traveler not give you its own type of ghost when you're using its power? And again, this is just my own little story of what I think would be cool. It'd be awesome if you had a light ghost and a dark ghost, and you actually had two ghosts equipped at all time. And then in, in cutscenes and stuff, it played out to where like you have the dark ghost who's trying to pull you into doing you know stuff towards the to further darkness and then you have the original ghost trying to pull you into still doing stuff for the light and then the game playing on well what is light and darkness where per, it's perceived as if it's good and evil but is it really and then play with that that wouldn't really work because of lore because the light creates the ghost the traveler creates i know the but ghost, what i'm saying is that the, it, the dark could create their own ghost like thing it would be cool whatever just, it is just because um it would it would be cool just because um It'd be like a demon and an angel sitting on your shoulders. Well, that's exactly how I described it. I said it'd be like the angel and demon trying to prod you different ways. Yeah. Because what I like, and I I like that the story at least approached that of where it's like the ghost is like, I don't like this. You're fiddling with the darkness. I'm like, yeah, but what I always like about, or what I always want stories about light and dark to do is, is to dig into why is it that dark has to be bad? They do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, yeah of. I'm not far enough. So, well, <laughs> I think they just they do it in terms of showing, like, you know, <clears throat> oh, in a sense that's like uh, you. People even say it like the darkness actually helped you mm. defeat this threat. So it's kind of like they recognize that aspect yeah. of it. Um, one thing, and then we can move on from that. But one thing I did think was cool is I've complained about it with other games. Uh, it seems to be getting less and less, but one thing I'll, I'll almost always give destiny credit for, they've even goofed up a little bit in this, but one of the things I talked about in our episode about the order, uh, 1886 that I did with Chris is that I hate when games introduce a mechanic to you in cutscenes and then never actually have it in the game. Like in the order, for example, you have the, um, thermite rifle and, in the cutscene, he'll take the disc from the thermite rifle, put it somewhere, walk back and shoot it to melt it and go around. And I'm like, that would have been so amazing to be an actual gameplay mechanic. Like you can set it as a charge, run back, and as you can try and funnel people towards you, you can ignite it and blow up a big group of people. That would be cool. Uh, using it for puzzle solving, where you've got to get through an area and you've got to do it yourself instead of the game doing it in a cutscene. So I like stuff like when games actually introduce a, a mechanic and then give you that. And we were talking about uh, the 
first cutscene where you're seeing all the dark powers go and you're seeing the fight between the fallen and the people that are using the dark powers and every single thing that they did is a real mechanic and I love that like the only time that, and Donovan mentioned it the only time I can think of where Destiny just flopped on the fact that you can't do this is I think it's Zavala at the beginning of Destiny 2 uh, the original story where he does all three subclasses finishers back to back and it's like, hey, bro, you can't do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he can because he's the he's the, the vanguard. I don't know. I know, but I'll give Destiny credit for that because of what the game is about. It's important that if you introduce a mechanic, that you keep it around because this game is all about gameplay. And there's a lot of cool gameplay stuff. Uh, I got a sword last night, and I, it just looked cool. Didn't even use it yet. Ended up using it, and it just it, it's a ranged sword. So when you use it, it throws out a disc. Yeah, um, they made legendary versions of the exotic swords from Destiny One. That's what that is. I did not. It's know called that. Temptation's Hook. Yes. Yeah. That's, so even Donovan played a ton of Destiny One and did, was didn't re, didn't say anything about that. There's a uh, yeah, like it's that's exactly what it is. Is that it's a remake of an old uh, the old exotic sword uh, back then that you got could do that. It's the exact same animation, everything like where it's almost like you skip back and you swing your sword at the same time. Yeah. Same animation. Yeah. And I thought it was cool too. Cause it's like a weird shaped sword, but then when you realize it's throwing out like a disc, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It almost looks like something that should like be a in look- cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm telling you, there are some good design choices in that game that they've made. Yeah. And honestly, I think that if you, you you're obviously going to get up high enough level to play, I will get this platinum. I'm the, done. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm done I'll, playing. I'll say before you leave the game entirely, let's run through the new raid on PS4. Oh, the raids are the most fun of the game. Yeah, uh, we mentioned that the other day. Is and definitely when you're not when you haven't done a million times, because like the the, the the Leviathan raid, when we did it a couple months back, it's fun. But when you're not doing it with all the extra stress of having to try and perfect this raid for the trophy, and when you've done it a million times, it's like, as long as there's no stress, that raid's fun. But all the raids are fun. We were talking about Vault of Glass being so cool the first time you ran through it, and you have all these little secret pathways, and you're like, oh, this is crazy. But it's Destiny can be fun, and I've always said that. It's just, I've gotten to that point where as soon as they started being like, oh, you've constantly got to be playing the game, and... You know, of course, I got on yesterday and had all my outbreak perfected and stuff equipped, and all of it has level caps because it's sunsetted, so you can't use it past certain levels. It at just, least, at least they did that where you all your gear was ten fifty. Well, all the all, no exotic yeah, and it pulled up. Yeah, yeah, no exotic is sunset. So yeah. like that, and that's the one thing that if they it's start just power capped, right? If no, well, see, okay, see, outbreak perfected, yeah. seasonal power cap on it twelve sixty. No. I went to it because I, I think it's weird that you have to dig for this information, but when you go to it and you hit triangle, you can go look and then some items have a third power cap where it's like uh, there's a normal pa- there's the normal power level, then there's the power cap, and then there's a seasonal power cap. It, no, there shouldn't be nothing there. I can show you. It really surprised you, you, me. You have to show me that because there might be some kind of weird thing with Outbreak. Oh, but, every everything I went through had it. Well, all of them will have it, but no exotic should. Yeah, every, all the exotics is what I was going through. All of them have max power levels. They shouldn't. Because yeah. like I'm telling you right now, I'm using Withering Horde because yeah. that's my favorite exotic they've ever See, made. Because what kind of got me is my thought process was exotics are supposed to be special weapons. And if they're suddenly not special anymore, then they were technically never special to begin with, in my opinion. So I was like, you should be able to keep using exotics throughout the game and continue to be useful. And at least even the idea of the power level means that you can kind of use it. But when you get to end game where you're max power level, it's no longer useful. So that you won't just stay with the same end game set up i understand what they're trying to do but we'll see we'll see how long i stay on it 
I have a strong feeling that even though I'm having fun now, I'm going to try and ride that train until I get the platinum and then dip out before I start hating the game again. Even uh, even Eric hopped in our Discord. I saw. He said, I'm back. He's like, but I'm not playing Destiny. <laughs> well, I don't blame him. There's other stuff coming up, though. You know, I'm, I'm real excited to see what we're going to do whenever Sons of the Forest comes out because Boy, if we don't get the group back together. We got to get the group back together for Sons of the Forest. I think the Forest might be one of my – that somehow missed my top games of the generation talk because, honestly, that <laughs> game, is as janky as it kind of is, was so good. It is very good. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it either. I almost brought it up, but I was like, if nothing else – you know how uh, Danny last episode for Game of the Year was talking about how Yakuza Zero was what he played. And yeah, I was like, the Forest is almost that for me this this year too because it was just so good. It, and there was so much time. Like honestly, we spent so much time playing that game. I looked. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like 80 hours. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, for, I, for me to get the platinum, I fully believe that. But uh, anyway, we are going to. Uh, this is going to be kind of an interesting episode. I had pulled news together, but the real honesty right now is that if you go to any news site in relation to game or anything, and you kind of look, and even if you're not, even if you're just on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, whatever it be, right, it's impossible right now to not just see cyberpunk and all of its multitude of scandal, I guess would be the kind of thing to wear. But it's problems, it's updates, it's different things. It has just taken over the news cycle. So in the long run, what we're really going to do is kind of just talk about cyberpunk stuff and uh, kind of personal experience. Saul got to play just a little bit of it, not much, because he doesn't want to you know, spoil anything. Yeah. But he played it on my PS5 and uh, talk about everything that's going on with it. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to our episode sponsor, Manscaped. Remember that if you want your balls to thank you and your uh, partner to scrub a dub dub up on your clean areas down below, then you can head over to manscaped.com and enter Discount code SQRD for 20% off your order, as well as free shipping on your first time around. Uh, and Saul is the big proponent of like the, the ball deodorant and stuff like that. Man, I like I've said before, sensitive skin, and when I find stuff that works and smells good, yeah, that's a go-to thing for me. It is a good double. And yeah. Saul knows, I think I've even said it in one of the ad reads, I am the world's worst about not liking things to be very fragrant. I like right. my idea of clean, and I don't know why, my idea of clean is as close to no smell as you can get. I guess it's yeah. just to me that's what clean is because it's like otherwise it, you can just be hiding it because if you're if you spray Febreze in some place that smelled like crap before and then suddenly it smells like Febreze it's not that the crap smell is really gone you're just hiding it that's exactly <laughs> what it is it's the same thing with like Axe deodorant yeah like Axe deodorant you can have bo then you spray it on your bo you, you just have axi bo yeah whereas so I'm, this stops the smell before it starts yeah which is great yeah and I'm real picky about that like I hate going to stores in the mall like Bath and Body Works or places like Lush, I think is what it's called. Lush. Lush. There we go. Uh, I hate going to places like that because the smells are overwhelming to me, and I don't really like to be that pungent. But I actually really like the smell of that because it's not super strong, but there is a scent to it. And it is woodsy, but not in a way that's overwhelming like I think a lot of woodsy stuff tries to be. You had a cologne a while back, not anything to do with it. It was either cologne or like a hair paste or something that was very woodsy smelling. And Oh, I know what it was. It was the Rhett and Link uh, cologne. No, that wasn't me. That was Blaze. That was Blaze. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't you. And it was so woodsy that I I couldn't handle it. It was too much for me. Uh, But this is really nice. Great product. And I got to say my last bit on this is Again, every time I wear those underwear, I'm just like... I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> right now. I wore them Thursday. And my wife... And this is a good question, Manscaped, if you're listening to this, which I know you are, actually. Um, 
Maybe maybe Womanscape should be out there because my wife wants me to find a Why way to get her. Like that? Oh, Womanscape. Because it's Manscaped. Yeah, no. But now we're going to do Woman. <laughs> but anyway, she wants underwear that would be fitting for her that are that same material. She loves them. So now I've got to try and dig around and see if I can find something that's as soft as that that's more fitting for her. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Because like, I'm telling you right now, like they, these... It, it, I've said it before. It sounds weird, but like nice feeling underwear just changes you. So it does. They make good gifts for the holidays as well as the um, oh, the cologne. I'm sorry, I had a little bit of a hiccup there. You get the cologne that I like. The cologne works great on my skin, so I don't break out. And uh, yeah, go over to manscaped.com and use triangle S. Why do I always replace discount code? Use with code SQRD. Use the discount code <laughs> that we can supply to you, which is SQRD, to get you twenty percent off and free shipping. And trust us, your balls will thank you. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's already used the code and gotten great products out of it. I've talked to a couple of you guys, and uh, I haven't heard anybody be uh, not impressed by it yet, which is exactly how it was for me. You got the product and was blown away by it. So, moving on into the next thing, Saul. I know that you kind of said that you think that this is something that could be its own topic, and that's how we're going to approach it. We're going to go about that way. Yeah. Uh, but because that was kind of how your brain went, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, where do you kind of want to start in talking about all this? I know that you're just as a, a you know more or less up to date on the happenings with one key element, not the most important thing in the world, but one key element of you not having an experience with the game necessarily to tie the update information to. Yeah. So for me, uh, I think that this is honestly. A pretty cool problem uh, in a sense. Like, I think that this is one of those Star Wars Battlefront kind of things that shows you that if you push out a bad product, it will get ignored. Now, obviously, sales will pick up eventually because the game will get fixed and stuff like that. But with this, taking your game for the first time ever, Sony removing a game off of their store because of customer outcry... A week before Christmas yeah. is a big, big blow. So, honestly, I think that just the whole situation itself goes to show you that this is not a very small problem. <laughs> so, to kind of break down, because there is a very important distinction, and I think I've mentioned it in regards to maybe even Cyberpunk. I think it was recently, but... There's always a huge difference between the perception of people like you and I and a good bit of our listener base who are very up-to-date with game news and talk about it and interact with it online and are part of the online discourse for gaming, right. which is very large. And there's a great video that Alana um, Pierce does in regards to talking about how sometimes what you're hearing, seeing, and experiencing within the bubble of gaming in the internet is not always congruent with what's actually happening with the larger purchasing people within games because like a good example you brought up battlefront 2 is what i assume you meant by battlefront uh, which is a game that was infamous for anybody who keeps up with gaming news to remember the all the outcry about pay to win and microtransactions and yet we learn it sold only a million copies less than it was intending to. Yeah. Than what they expected. And the game has gone on to do amazing. Now, again, like Saul mentioned, the, some of the issues were fixed. Oh, yeah, well, uh, which the, is good. The pay to win and stuff like that were taken were out. Were taken out, as exactly. a result of this. Yeah. So, which is good, but at the same time, a lot of those sales happened before any of that happened because, as, excuse me, as much as we're part of this conversation and talking about it, 
There's also the fact that there are people who don't do this every day, day in and day out. And instead they exist in this realm to where it's kind of like they're more casual. They go through, they will use battlefront. They go through, they like star Wars. Maybe they remember battlefront from PS2. Maybe they never even really heard of it. They just like star Wars. Maybe they're old time fans. Maybe they're new ones. Or maybe they play battlefront on the PSP because that game is good. Also. Yeah. So when you're doing all that and you're doing the original battlefront games, which have a name to carry from people who remember them nostalgically or just carry forward the, the star Wars name. What you see is people who hear about it, maybe even see what type of game it is or, Probably the most likely scenario, people who just like Star Wars and go go to the game section of the store because they play games occasionally, look over and they see Star Wars Battlefront 2. I like Star Wars. That sounds cool. And they just grab it and buy it because the vast majority of people, even though the Twitter and Facebook and Reddit sphere would have you believe otherwise, the vast majority of people aren't actually in this conversation. And... The one million people that did that they expected to buy it, you know, they expected nine million sales, they got eight. That one million was probably at max. It could have been the entirety of the Twitter sphere who was trying to back trash it, or it could have been something else completely where economy was weird at the time, it released at a time where other people were buying other games, so it just sold a million other. That's not a bad projection loss. So it goes to show that these things exist. And a good example I have is I have a buddy at work who picked up the game and we're in this situation where he doesn't play a lot of games. He mainly plays sports games. He plays the occasional random things. He played the Witcher three, really enjoyed it. So he picked up cyberpunk and where you end up with cyberpunk is he was like, I know it's by the people who made Witcher. I remember seeing one trailer years and years and years ago. I'm excited. Picked it up. He has had nothing bad to say about it. Playing on base model PS4. Wow. Not a single, uh, he's, and he's told me like he's had like one or two very small issues. I'm sure he's having a little bit of frame rate problems, but he's not as scrupulous as us. <laughs> not a little, so, well, he, probably, he probably doesn't realize. Well, he, I explained to him and he's like, I've had like a couple of moments where I've noticed it's a little slower and he's like, but nothing bad. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, you know, when you talk to certain people, you get this perception that this game is just 100% unplayable. And the thing is, is that some people don't find even if it's pretty consistently 28 frames per second, that may not be bad enough for them to be noted as unplayable. So you get to this point back and forth where it was so cool talking to him about it and then bringing up finally, because I, I, at first I wasn't saying anything. He'd be like, are you playing? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. And we just talked positively about it. But then I was like, you know that they're doing like refunds for the game and then because it's not working as it's supposed to. And he's like, what? It's not working as it's supposed to. And I started talking to him about it. He's like, I don't know. I'm having a good time with it. And the only reason I bring that up is those are two very different worlds. It's the guy who saw it on a store shelf, knew that it came out and picked it up because he heard about it forever ago and liked the Witcher three and he's loving it and he doesn't play a lot of games. And that's a very, very different story. Yeah. Than what you hear some of these people are experiencing. And even my own experience being just that I'm playing on PS five, which is best case scenario, PS five and Xbox series X. Um, and outside of, crashing i actually didn't have that many bugs and most of them were just very small bugs that were just funny you know what i mean like yeah. one for example was just there's cutscenes where keanu reeves character in this johnny silverhand smokes and while he's like while you're seeing him and having a brain conversation with him he's walking around the area that you're in and he'll be smoking and there's been a couple of times where as he smokes he goes to move his finger and suddenly the cigarette's out of his finger and floating in front of him and he keeps walking around but then he comes back and his hand crosses where the cigarette was and suddenly it's back in his hand 
but then there's also a cigarette still floating. It's been Weird. pretty minimal, but you know, it's nothing that I haven't seen a million times before from Fallout, The Witcher Three. So that's been my experience. But then you have people who have had literally like Chris broken experiences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chris had the game prior to the hot fix. I would get a crash. As the game kept going, about once every two hours. Max, the game crashed ten times on me. That's not that bad. Chris, in a three-day period... No, don't worry. What wrong. do you mean that's not that bad? Hold on, I was going to get a sip of water. Now you stop me. Not that bad in context to Chris in a three-day period having 53. Yeah, but still, not that bad. <laughs> yeah. If a game crashes on me three times, I'm done with oh, it. Oh, don't worry. Dude, the, the, game got its, the game got its due because, again, for me... And the hotfix has helped. I've actually played a lot more since the hotfix. I've been less able to pull myself away from it. What I was doing, if the game would crash, I'd just go, okay, I'm going to play Demon's Souls for the rest of the night. That should have been your started, starting position. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I don't know. It's interesting because you, you want to blame CD Projekt Red, but at the same time, it's hard to because... I I would want to believe that if it was up to them on when they could have delayed the game to, it wouldn't have released in this mess. But at the same time, I don't know. Um, they did such a good job with Witcher and all of its DLCs. Not just from a quality standpoint, but from a story and, and writing standpoint, that you see this game and it's almost like a complete opposite. Because yeah, there were some bugs in The Witcher when it came out, but like this is this is like rough rough like when you have when you can go through um just browsing like reddit or twitter and like for an example i was browsing reddit the other day and on the front page of reddit in the um unexpected uh subreddit where it's typically a gif of something and something obviously happens is unexpected it was cyberpunk and then like you're browsing twitter and you see just memes and it's without context you know it's cyberpunk like like it's 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 gotten to the point where it's just become a big old laughing stock in a way. But at the same time, it's hard to know if it was their fault or like head head executives or Sony or Microsoft or you know, stockholders that wouldn't let them push the game back farther. Because frankly, like honestly, it's almost like No Man's Sky's launch. Like when I saw that game come out, I'm like, yeah, that's not worth sixty dollars. Now Price tags mean everything. If this game launched for $40 in the state that I saw you play it in, that's a no-brainer. Like, I could deal with some pop-ins for $40, but not for $60. Um, $60 is a AAA gold standard price point. It's the same problem with No Man's Sky. If No Man's Sky launched at $40 or $20, there wouldn't have been nothing said. Now, of course, the marketing would have been roasted because their marketing had multiplayer and all kinds of stuff at, like thrown around. But that was a big redemption story. Um, but this has gotten so out of hand that I honestly think that Sony removing it from the store and then Microsoft followed suit. They didn't remove from the store, but they did offer full refunds. Sony and did. Sony did. Yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft did not remove yeah, from the store. Yeah, Microsoft, but they added a thing to it to where it's it's like a, a warning above the purchase button that says that use some users experience game breaking. I can't remember the exact wording, but it's basically a warning. Yeah, and I honestly think that that's not the way to go. I think that if if it's in a state that it is in for a majority of the people that are playing it, Sony took the high road. I honestly think what Sony did was perfect. I think that they. By, by taking off the store so that people don't who aren't in the new with everything going on 
that they can't be fallen into a trap of buying this new flashy game that they would be advertising on the front page of their store, like they would be with every other AAA game. Um, because honestly, I don't think it's worth the $60. And, and, you know, two episodes ago, or three episodes ago, we talked about what we want to see for next gen. And one of my big proponents was digital right management. How are they going to do refunds? How are they going to do digital game stuff? And this is a perfect example of Sony handling it. As perfect as I, I myself can see. Like, honestly, if they had refund options that were, that were available beforehand that weren't their bad refund thing they have now, where you can't have it downloaded, which is stupid, um, that this would have gone much smoother. And I think that, honestly, they... It's hard to say that if either one of them followed suit with this, because... PlayStation did it, and then Microsoft did it. But if we didn't see PlayStation do it, I'm not confident Microsoft would do it. But if we didn't see CD Projekt Red say, go to PlayStation to get your refund without talking to PlayStation first, if that didn't happen, I don't think any of this would have happened. Because I think CD Projekt Red really screwed themselves on that. They should not have told them to go like to this company and blah, 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 blah to get this refund when they're not the ones offering it. So... <clears throat> couple things to unpack there i think and i was going to ask you this and i think you may have kind of spoiled it how long after release did you personally play the witcher 3 um because i know it wasn't at launch because i remember you watching me play it at launch because it was before yeah i watched you play a fair amount of it at launch yes yeah that's how long did i play it after launch i don't know okay so I'm a very lucky person when it comes to game bugs for some reason. Yeah. Uh, now, actually, even then, I'm, I've been pretty lucky on Cyberpunk in comparison to most people. A good example is that the Hotfix 1.05 has not had the game crash at all for me. I, if I'm being honest, I'd say probably 12 hours of gameplay past that when it was getting progressively worse. Yeah. Uh, yet there are people like Chris has had three more crashes since the, the Hotfix. It's better for him. Some people are not having that fix, though. But Skyrim... I, on PS3, the only bug I ever encountered, 100%, was the Mace of Molag ball disappearing and not letting me finish that quest which line. Is, which is what Seth had happened to him, so yeah. he couldn't get the platinum. Yeah, so I, the same reason I couldn't get it either. But other than that, even the infamous save file size, where if your save file broke 50 megabytes or whatever it was, that it would your save file would corrupt, never happened to me. See, I, I Or it did, wouldn't corrupt. It'd start, it'd start, the issues would just compound, and you'd start seeing like the rivers... Excuse me, like fall through and so I played Skyrim day of launch on the 360. I never had any major bugs out of Skyrim. Now PS3 was the worst offender there. Well, I would say major. Like, like obviously with Bethesda games, you know that there's going to be some jank. Like a character's leg going through a stair for two seconds. I don't even count. Yeah, like that, or like random enemy pop ins that like, or just doing weird things like that. That stuff that you come to expect with Bethesda, but. Are you hard-pressed to say that you're not expecting that with CD Projekt Red? See, so continue to go on what I was kind of talking about. I I still don't know exactly when you played it, but up until basically the first six months of launch on PC and everything, uh, it was very similar to Cyberpunk in that the PC was the best version to play, but they all had bugs, and some of them were were really bad. Again, I never had it, but there were plenty of people who had game progression halting bugs, breaking bugs, where it completely screwed your save up. There was some area where like you couldn't play and progress anymore due to... Again, I'm trying to really dig deep and remember, but it had something to do with like a cellar that you could go into and the way some glitch would happen with a light and then wouldn't let you get out of the cellar. All sorts of crazy stuff. Um, 
The Witcher had really bad. Like a good example, I have a video on my PlayStation from The Witcher of me riding around in a boat and then suddenly me, the boat, and everything just fly like 100 meters into the air and then fall back down. Uh, So I had pretty small issues. I was able to beat the entire game. A lot of people at launch for that game were unable to do so. So I think what's really happening here, and I'm not saying that CD gets a different... A pass for it or anything, but I think the reason that The Witcher 3 was not talked about in the same way is because at the time that The Witcher 3 launched, it was their biggest game, but they had not quite became the studio that made The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3 was not quite the game that everybody saw. It's like, oh, this, this, and this, and these great DLCs and continued supports for updates. You know, I think what happened is that the people who played The Witcher 3 at launch and dealt with that dealt with it, even if you had issues. And within the first six months of launch, they were able to get that fixed to where pretty much every major issue that was going to cause you to stop being able to do something was solved. So just like you're seeing here, it was always a your mileage may vary, which is always the case in any of these really big games. It's true of Fallout 4, Fallout 76. Some people were able to play Fallout 76 with virtually no bugs. Some people were playing it at launch, basically unable to play the game. Well... And same same's true of things like Fallout 4, where certain people were like falling through the map and all sorts of crazy stuff. Skyrim had the same problems. But to kind of go in through, I think when you're looking at the way the Cyberpunk or that CD project rather were completely handled back then, they were smaller, less known, and then over time from The Witcher 3, they built themselves up to feel like a big studio, despite the fact that they only had three games under their belt, only one of which was a massive game and a massive success. And so we build these. We build this expectation as a player group, and then I think CD Projekt themselves built an expectation of their own employees and stuff. Of we've got to do bigger, better, and all this stuff to where players look at this now and CD Projekt Red is a household name. If you play games, you probably know who CD Projekt Red is. You probably know what The Witcher Three is, and you probably know The Witcher Three got countless updates, continues to get it with a promised next gen update. It got two very big DLCs that were highly rated and regarded. It's continued to move on and be a great thing for them. It's became a show. Everybody knows stuff. Even if you watch The Witcher on Netflix, having no clue what else it was, then you discovered the game. Now you know who CD Projekt Red is. So it becomes this thing where a lot of people know them and expectations different because a lot of people are bringing up in these conversations. And I'm not saying it's wrong to bring it up in the sense of like, well, why this and why that? It's a good question. But people would say like, well, Red Dead Redemption, or some people would say, well, what did you expect a game of this size and scope to run on seven-year-old hardware? And then somebody can come back with a very obvious and reasonable Red Dead Redemption 2 is a big game right? with a lot of the same level of detail as what you expect from this. And it does this. But I think what's happening is whether we should be or not, a lot of gamers are looking at CD Projekt Red as somebody who's supposed to be on this level of Rockstar, who has made countless games like you know, across all their developers. Even the studios independently have made so many games. They have so many more employees. They have so much more budget to work with. And when you're doing all of these things, yeah, it's true. They still should have waited, but I don't think that you can quite compare those two games because CD Projekt Red is still fairly small for the size of games that they make. And I think that changes the way that people view them. So they're being even more harshly, because I do think that they deserve to be harshly criticized, but they're being even more harshly criticized because somehow through this gen, they've became 
they became the next rock star. And I think it's because they bucked Bethesda. A lot of people looked at the Witcher three as like, they came and did a game that Bethesda have not. A lot of people view this. So it depends on where you are. But a lot of people thought that the Witcher three was a much bigger show of a next gen RPG than like fallout four was, which came Absolutely. out afterwards. Yeah. And so a lot of people were like, they beat Bethesda at their own game. And Bethesda has been doing this forever. So I think that that it comes into the conversation as to why it's viewed so bigly. But I would argue that this is not really worse. It's just more high profile. Well, honestly, I think that there's a couple of things to unpack with that too, is that a lot of the criticism is coming mainly as of last gen consoles. Um, And when you think about it, CD project red release, which are three on the PS4 and the Xbox 360. no, the Xbox One. I hate the <laughs> Xbox names. The Xbox One and PC. There wasn't a subpar version running around that is virtually unplayable for people. And I think that's where the big issue comes in is that there are some bugs. Optics between the two. Yeah. And I think that there is like there's there's a there's a fine line between there's some pop in, there's some bugs, there's some jank in there, and then this game runs at twenty frames per second in some areas and will not go up or above it. Or this game, when you get to this part of this game, will crash every single time. Or you'll have a progression bug where you yeah. just literally can't continue yeah, and, on the quest. And yeah. I'm not saying Witcher 3 didn't have those, but I'm also like, my big proponent with this, and this is where my opinion comes from, is they didn't give people review codes for consoles. Yep. The CEO came out and said that it runs well on 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 this gen con- or last gen consoles which a is year a ago. Flat out lie. Yeah, saying it it runs surprisingly well. The game yep. got delayed a multitude of times and was seen after after. I think this is a generalization I can make on mostly anybody is that when a game made by a big studio, not even a huge studio, but a big studio, is delayed four times, you would think by the by the time they land on that final release date, it's ready, and this game was not ready. And my biggest other my biggest thing here is this is another fine line. This is a perfect example on why cross gen games should not exist. Perfect example, and that that's a hot take. No, I thought the exact thing. Well, here let me let me let me say why. We've talked about this before with games in cross gen, and this is going to sound. This is okay. So I'm pretty reasonable when it comes to this game. Like I, I understand that there's bugs, and I understand that 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 CD Projekt Red should get their just desserts and everything that they deserve. But at the same time, there's something that I am not understandable or um, not um, at any given point in my life. This is something I've always stood behind, and that is that if technology is to advance, you can't always include everybody, and it's a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think that, like, when, like, if you are in the way of technology and you don't, and you can't participate in the newer wave, I don't think that it's right to to keep technology at a standstill to include those people. And and that sounds mean, and that I fall into that category. You know, if it if if people were were when 4K TVs were coming out, if they were trying to make it in between like a 2K panel or something that were cheaper. Like, I honestly think 4K technology would take taken longer to take off than now. And now it's affordable. I, I'm not one to say, Very like, affordable, yeah, man. I'm not one to say, like, I can't afford that. That shouldn't include me. Or that should still, like, I need to be included in that make it affordable kind of thing. Or something like that. And I know that some people are. And there's nothing, there's no problem with that. But I think specifically technology 
is a is one of those factors that is that sometimes there are people that are going to get left in the dust and that's been me included in the past multiple times and you don't deserve to catch up until you hit that point and what i mean by that is it could be money it could be the fact that you can't find a console it could be a multitude of things and i'm not saying i guess you don't deserve is harsh but you shouldn't complain about it and expect you to be included when it, when it's trying to advance itself and i think that the only reason cross gen games exist is for people who don't want to upgrade can't upgrade from some means of, of any other reason at all and then sales because if if you include the two people into the third factor there's That's, more sales yeah and honestly <clears throat> i think that like i don't have a ps5 yet if it wasn't for that giveaway i don't know when i'd have a ps5 that goes for a lot of people some, some people can't afford it rightfully so it's expensive some people can't get their hands on it because it's sold out everywhere. Rightfully so, because it's new. You shouldn't complain that like this game isn't on a console because of that. And I'm not saying this case is, is the case because this game was marketed for last-gen consoles, which is a big mistake on CD Projekt Red. Um, I, I, I thoroughly think that marketing needs to change around game industry because in gaming, games take a while to develop. So if you show them off too early, you have people who will buy consoles to play that game and never get it. Hence the Final Fantasy VII remake shown. Yeah, that it's at the end of the life cycle. Or you get, you know, you say Final Fantasy sixteen is going to take seven years to develop. Well, we just saw it. Well, imagine at the end of that we saw a PS4. It's like that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for this game to be on PS4 when it's not due out for six years or five years. Five years. Well, even. again, we never know. That's right. The thing. This is just an example. Um, yeah. and, and it could have, you know, it could be anything. But don't lie as the CEO of the company and come out and says it runs well on consoles. Yeah. Because it doesn't. It doesn't like it doesn't run well on anything. And specifically, base model PS4s. Have you seen uh, base model Xbox? ones or oh, xbox s xbox one s's you can't play that game one s is better than base model it one, is but, but you cannot yeah. play that game that well but yeah. honestly i think that well, like before we go too far in well i was just going to go back to that cross gen thing to clear some things okay up. yeah yeah so that's actually kind of where i'm going to go um yeah like, but, but you can you can finish up if you want this there's a cup there's a lot that i'm trying not to lose in regards to that because i right. think you've brought up a lot of good points I, I i kind of get where you're coming from on some but i, th- I think there's probably a better way to word it yeah but it's, it's always when it's you're coming always, off the cuff, yeah. it's hard to completely balance. But like, okay, so just a couple things. I think, um, I think you're absolutely right, and I've said from the get go that one of the ways that I think they could have solved a lot of issues is to look at what they did with The Witcher Three. They decided to make The Witcher Three a next gen exclusive on PS4 and Xbox One because they realized that the game they wanted to make was going to be too hard. Right. Now, there's a couple of things going into that. If you look in the history of the company, the guys who started the company have. The best way I can describe them is like a Steve Jobs. It's someone who, it doesn't mean they don't have any technical know-how or any engineering know-how or anything, but what they really are, what they really are is the head of the company who gets things done and gets people together to make things. But there's a Bill Bird joke where he talks about, did Steve Jobs really make the iPhone or did he just, was he the big rich guy who had the money to pull a bunch of people in a room and go, I want my entire music library on this little rectangle. Get it done. Yeah. And I think that if you look, there's a lot of things where they would say like, 
the people would come in and be like, this is the game we're going to make and we want to do this and this. And it was like the ideas that their technical team, it was way above what the technical team could do at the time. Now, the upside that comes from that, just like with companies with Apple, is that when Steve Jobs was doing it, a lot of people viewed Apple as very forward pushing because they were kind of taking ideas that no one was sure could actually work and pushing them. So we saw that with The Witcher 3. They pushed way further than The Witcher 2 and did a lot. And again, they were trying to do that here. But um, where I'm kind of going with that is The Witcher 3 was dedicated to the next gen because they realized it was going to be too hard to pull it off on the old consoles. And I think that I understand this game has been marketed for Xbox and PS4 for a long time. And there's the chance that someone would have bought one of those consoles to play the game. But I still think across the board, everything would have gone a lot better for them if the first time they delayed from that April date that they gave, if they said... Listen, in doing all this and, and getting the game, our scope has expanded way beyond what we initially thought and we're trying to go towards because we wanted to keep pushing the game and we've pushed it so far that either one of two things, either it can't run at all, which this is on Sony and Microsoft as if they would have been allowed, but I think of the new, the new Nintendo 3DS, right? To say this game will target PS4 Pro and Xbox One, but will not be playable on a a base model PS4 or an Xbox One S uh, or PS4 Slim or whatever because it's too much. Now, if you have a Xbox One X or a PS4 Pro, we'll make a 30 frames per second as solid game as we can get, but we don't have to spend time optimizing for these consoles that just can't. Uh, That would have been probably their best case scenario because they're not completely leaving PS4 and Xbox One behind, but they're kind of half doing it. Yeah. But I think that if that would have been announced or even best-case scenario, they would have said, we're, gonna, we're having to change this game completely to a next-gen game. Um, as unfortunate as that might be for initial sales and all sorts of stuff, I think that if they would have come out about a year ago and said, this is what's going on, it's part of what this delay is about, we, got, we put too much time into trying to make these work and they just won't, let's get it out and let's sell the game only for PS4 Pro up or maybe even just for PS5. And... I think that there still would have been some complaints, but it wouldn't have been to the level we have because it would have been better for them to say it out loud and be honest about it and then cut off the sections than to release a game that many people view as just unplayable. Right. Uh, But another thing in there is you're talking about cross-gen, right? Yeah. So when you're looking at cross-gen, one of the things I thought about when playing last night um, and thinking of the fact that it runs pretty well for me on PS5, but this is still not a native PS5 release. And a lot of the things that you talked about, pop-in, level of detail, distance, is all because it's on PS5 playing the PS4 Pro version. Yeah. Being so upscaled. Or- yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Density of population that had to be dropped on last-gen consoles and whatnot. So what I kind of thought of is... A lot of people have this argument that games are built, definitely when they're built for PC, in such a way that they're supposed to be able to scale up and down so easily. Well, if that's the case... Then and it's supposed to be that easy, and the PC exists as it does, then why isn't there already a native PS5 release and a native P- Xbox Series X release? If it's as simple as crank it up and tell it that you, this system can play with a benchmark of medium settings on PC, so PS5 and Xbox One uh, Series X will have um, P- PS, you know, PC medium settings and play on a native release, and then we can maybe improve it over time. I it's clearly you, not that simple. I mean, it's not that simple, but it's not not i will say because i don't know but it's clearly not a hard or extremely hard feat to do but to answer your question on why they don't have it is because nobody has a ps5 compared to ps4 owners so obviously they're not going to produce disc 
for that game yet. Even if it was a digital only. They wouldn't do that because then that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna hurt the people and split them in half, which is what CrossGen would do. But see, I think there, and when I said I don't, you don't deserve it. What I what I mean is, you shouldn't feel like you deserve something because you own a console. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like you deserve this game at running it like this. Like you need to understand the technical limits of your console and understand that you've had it for the better part of what seven years. So. Like, you can't be upset about that. And the reason I said that with so such vitriol is because you see people. You see it every generation. Why wasn't, like, you've seen people with Demon Souls. Why wasn't this game made for PS4? I bought a PS4 for this game. Well, good for you and your mistake, but nobody said that this was going to be a PS4 game. And we've only known of this game for, what, a year? See, now, the not even a year. The Less than six months. The difference is with cyberpunk is it was inherently marketed that way so yeah. they should have like honestly think that if they took the ps the the pr shitstorm back then by announcing that those that these versions were canceled would have been less than what they have now yeah by a magnitude yeah no, certainly. and um what i need to elaborate on one last little thing about that is what i mean by people holding um technology back if you're a patient gamer you're not holding technology back that's fine. You want to play older games. That's that's on you to wait and play them when you see fit. That's perfectly fine. What I specifically mean in that subset of people is people who refuse to upgrade and just cry about things they want upgraded. Like you see it a lot at every generation. You'll see like people complain and they'll they'll use their consoles as the base to complain about and say why doesn't the next gen console or why doesn't my console have the next gen features or you've seen people i don't know if you have but there have been people who are saying why isn't there a dual sense on ps4 and they'll complain about it and like there's been a petition on it it's like don't do that because you're gonna take somebody's time engineering efforts and everything to make that happen when they could be working on other things just like now these devs are now working to fix this broken game instead of working on dlc content or working on a next release they have. And I feel like that's been a big problem lately with some studios. You get a game launch, and I would say Rockstar is a good example, but they put all their stuff on online now instead of starting on the new installment. But like yeah. we'll use them as an example. You have a game that comes out, and there's a, there's a flurry of bugs and, and, and stuff to fix. Well, then they, they take a subset of their team from other things and put them on the bug, fixing, bug fixing and queue testing. And the thing is, is that when that happens, that... You may think that there, oh, there's only 50 people on this team. That 50 people could be doing a lot of stuff for DLC. Don't yeah. forget how many people made No Man's Sky and continue to working on it, and they're not having a whole lot of external help. Yeah, they're doing it themselves. And I think that that is it's a very forward backwards motion in gaming right now. Is that you have this major game come out? There's inevitably problems with it because you announce the game way too early. And then you delay the game a couple times, and then now you're having to go back and fix this said game over the course of the next six months to a year instead of working on new content for the game. And when there is new content for the game, thankfully, most of them are added to it for free, like No Man's Sky. I'm going to keep using that because that game and this game directly correlate in terms of launching in a mess that is constant bugs, constant crashes, constant problems with the game. And See, I didn't really think No Man's Sky had a lot of bugs. It was just more that oh. it wasn't. I mean, maybe I'm maybe my memory is just tainted, but I remember that a lot of it was just that the game didn't have any of the features that they were talking about. I will say, well, it was that too. Which this game has, like, apparently there was supposed to be deeper skill trees or something. I'm not kept up on this game. 
Whenever I before I okay, so I'm gonna show you that thing on Destiny. I said I want you to see, but I'm I, I'm gonna show you the skill trees. You, well, I think you'll. There's no way. There's something else that was taken out to make it because now people are claiming that it's not as RPG as it should have been. I think it's because of the way that it handles pulling together different endings. I think there's like four. That's different what it endings. was. It's that your character choice doesn't really matter. I don't. It, it's that's just like dialogue. En- it's not entirely true, but it doesn't matter maybe as much as people would have wanted. Well, well, when you think of a character choice, you think that maybe your ending will be different, or maybe some other things in the quest will be different. Well, turn- it can. It well, it turns well. It, uh, from what people have said, it's really only dialogue changes. Well, it can be sometimes. Sometimes it's dialogue changes where you get to you get to get a little bit more information. Like you'll get more lore because you happen to be a street kid, so you can respond with a street kid line, and then. It'll either completely change what you're going to do, or sometimes it's just the character will give you a little more detail that's based around, like, oh, you're learning, the, you're learning more about the lore. Because it's like, I'm a street kid, so somebody can be talking about something about a corporation and all these things, and I can be, oh, street kid option. I can say, well, you know, I grew up in the thick of Night City, and I know what these corpos do this, this, and this way, and it gives you a lore build, which what's, I do what's like. What's a corpo again? That's another... Cor- corpos is corporate people, okay. so it's like corporations. Because it's, it's nomad... Street kid and corpo, corpo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you look at all those things coming together, it get, it does give you dialogue changes, and a lot of that comes together to deepen your understanding of the world. Yeah. But there are things too where you can make decisions that you can either help somebody. It's, you have a lot of every quest has got optional things, uh, or not. Well, really, most quests do. Not every, but most quests have optional things. And depending on what you do, someone else can come back later and either be in the ending or being different things. So the way I describe this game. Is, I don't know. I guess it's just how I feel. This game feels to me like a futuristic sci-fi, bigger scale Greedfall, because of the way they handle RPGs and trying to let you take different routes to do everything. Like you can just budge in through the front door if you want to be stealthy. You can sneak around if you want to do a bunch of hacking. Then you can go back. So in the RPG side and how you progress feels like that. The choice of how you approach things feels like Dishonored, with like shooting mechanics. So. Right. And Dishonored does have some shooting mechanics. So when you pull all that together, when I was playing the game the other day, I was like, this feels like Greedfall RPG style meets Dishonored's approaches how you want to style with maybe like a little bit of Fallout 4 just because of the you know general idea of it being like a first-person open-world thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I could see that, but... At the same time, man, I, I mean, this so far is very much like The Witcher, and The Witcher has the same thing. Your choices matter, but not to this like life-changing degree. It's not as bad as games where you have all these different options, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a good example from what I've been told. I will say I didn't beat it. Um, you have all these things, and it acts like your story, like your dialogue decisions are going to matter, but then there's only two endings. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so it's really just one or the other. Well, see, I think I think that's something people were led to believe just because if you are playing an RPG game and there's three different beginnings of it, you would think that there's different branches that those beginnings could take you down. Yeah. And from what I've seen, um, people say that those are kind of worthless in the grand scheme of things other than just dialogue. And you would think that like, if I'm starting out a nomad, my ending or, or the way I get to the ending will be different than street kid. And it's not that way. So like, that's why people are like, th- that's why they're let down by that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think people, and again, hype, right? And I think CD Projekt Red did it to themselves, and this is going to be the next evolution in open-world gameplay. You know what it really is? Right, it's nothing. Like- uh, don't get me wrong, it's, it's fine. There's plenty of things. There's a little less detail than I was hoping for myself. Like, a good example, as weird as it is, they have great detail in some places and then complete lack of it in others. There's a rooftop where you can go to do a fist fight with these twins. It's a side quest. Uh, and you do a series of fist fights. I went up on this one and I saw a dude playing guitar. And games have people playing guitar all the time. Right. I don't normally think about it. One of the only games in recent memory where I remember looking and being like, whoa, that's exactly accurate. And it the was last The Last of, of Us 2. And this is now. This, yeah, this is too. I walked up. I saw the guy playing guitar. I didn't even think about it. And I turned around like for a second because I, I was like, wait a minute, was his hand in a C chord position? And then I looked around and I was like, oh, his hand was in a C chord position. That's cool. And then he started changing it. And I was like, those are all real chords. Then I looked at his picking hand and then I looked, I was like, whoa. I was like, I think he's actually picking the real strings. And then I saw an article like two days later. It was like, people are amazed by the guitar playing. I was like, hey, I was too. It's only, <laughs> it's only if the whole game was like that. Though. But then you'll get in a car with somebody, right? And you'll get in the car and you'll open the door and you'll shut it. But then you'll look over at them and you'll see their character open the door with their arm, get in the car, and then suddenly the door just shuts. And it's like, why didn't you just animate them shutting the door? Or is this future? So is the door shutting or itself? I don't know. But it feels janky. So it feels like there's a mix of different levels of detail. Some of the detail is awesome. And then other times, like, I wish there was a little more going on right here. But the real thing is, what they've always done best, their quest, their, their quest structure is really good. Their quests are great. The way that you can go through them, some of them are small and not that important, but there are a lot of like funny references to things. Uh, yeah, I hope there's like I, I've heard there's a lot of pop culture stuff in that yes, game. Yes, a ton. Um, you know what? You know, just talking about it, it makes me realize, especially because I own the game. But I'm not even mad at the game for this. I'm more mad about CD Projekt Red. I'm not even really mad at them either directly. I'm mad at just the situation they put themselves in because it ticks every one of my boxes of what needs to change in the video game industry. They released a trailer or announcement way too early. Way, way too early. They, they, that, that one's weird. And the only reason I say that is because the trailer that everyone references and they say this game's been in development for seven years because it was announced in 2012. Um, but that was a, we've acquired this and we intend to make this. But that was before The Witcher 3 even came. Right. Still way. Yeah, way before. Now, all it was was an announcement trailer. Be no, like, hey, we've got this. I'm so talking we're gonna do about this. the Xbox 2018 E3 was too early. Yeah, I agree there, too. That's But two I years only ago. say because people are saying the game's been in development for seven years, and it hasn't. They did not start real development on this game until like 2017 or 2016 when some of the teams were moving off of the Witcher 3 DLC. Yeah. And see, I, so I, it's been in development for three to four years. I, I, my opinion on this is that you should never see a reveal trailer until one year before launch at most. Well, Give me that Fallout 4 treatment. <laughs> yeah. Give me that uh, Demon Souls treatment. I, I am sick of seeing the same game pop up in my feed over the course of seven years just because it's a new trailer comes out or a delay happens because it's one of the two. You know, it's crazy is it does what they want it to do and that it builds insurmountable hype in most people. It doesn't yeah. do it with everyone. It, it, it's, and it's lame because of that, too, because immediately they put themselves in a foothold. Because it's if they walk forward and launch the game anyways, it's going to be this game, which is, CD, which is Cyberpunk. If they wait a little bit and delay it a little bit more and a little bit further, it'll turn into a better game. And... That, that that won't happen. Corporate won't let them happen. Don't won't let yeah. that happen because they uh, they they need their money for Christmas. Well, like to now speak they can't get a digital there. To speak to your thing there, um, and then I want to go back to that digital thing because you said something way earlier that I didn't get around to yet. That 
is interesting about the way it's being handled. But the yeah, it's it's weird because like I said, it, it did exactly what they wanted and that it got a lot of people hyped so much so that the game had eight million copies pre ordered. Right. That's not even counting people who just walked into a store and grabbed it off the shelves. Yeah. Okay. So. That and now, of course, that's changed due to refunds. But mm-hmm. they, in day one, from pre-orders alone, remade all their development and marketing cost. So, yeah, it did. It did what they wanted it to to do in that sense. But like you're mentioning, the problem that comes from that is when you see something and hear it over and over and over again, you do get people to build this idea of what it's supposed to be in their head, either because you give them some information, but not all. And since you're not giving them all, because why would you ever do that? Yeah. You're leaving them to go. That was there. Does that mean that this could be there? And then they start forming this version of the game that can never be what the final game is going to yeah, be. It's, and you come up in your head of people thinking this game is going to be like you walk down the street and you're seeing a bunch of people living their lives. And that's somewhat true. It's not entirely false. But it's it's kind of like people did with Watch Dogs where they saw that reveal trailer and they're like, this is going to be this. And it's like, no, that's not what this game is about. To be fair, though, that Watch game... Dogs closer to its final product than CD Projekt Red <laughs> no, uh, not really. led to believe. Well, I was going to say, don't forget the downgrade Watch Dogs got. Well, I'm not going to downgrade. I'm just talking. I mean, downgrade was definitely part of it. But what the game was supposed to be, it did also, it was announced way too ahead of time as well but yeah i don't know cyberpunk just has this thing where i'm generation yeah i'm absolutely loving <laughs> cyberpunk. it's a fantastic game that some people are being able to experience in a mostly good way and some people are being are experiencing in the absolute worst way. i would say most people are i really still don't know I, that, I, that's what's so hard most most people in the internet sphere would lead you to believe that it's being ran terribly. It's really hard to tell. I would, I would honestly see this whole like because they've had to release what two disclaimers since the game is launched, and then now two companies having to fall suit or refunds. I would have to believe that that is a majority of people playing this game are having problems because it's not just a small amount. Oh yeah, I, I don't know, but that actually leads me to the refund thing, right? So the refund thing is a good thing because even if it comes down to being a million refunds, right. let's just give it, it sold 8 million copies. Let's say they give a million refunds. That's uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. That, it, that means that there's a hundred, uh, there's a million times where PlayStation has to send their people and Xbox and whatever across all that. Let's just say it's on one system for the sake of what we're doing here. Let's split it evenly between the two since they're the two doing it. 500,000 on PS4, Xbox, or PlayStation in general, yeah. Xbox in general. 500,000 is a lot. And that means that you have 500,000 individual things where you have to get a customer service person to help somebody and then process that return. Yeah, it's all done automatically. Now, now it is. Yeah. The because first, of the choice that they made. The first day. No, I was going to say the first day that this was announced by PlayStation, it was done through their web app. Mm-hmm. And you had to talk to somebody. Now you could just go through the web app itself. And it automatically yeah. does it, yes. And I'm glad that they chose to do that. Right. And I think it all came down into this. Now... Uh, a couple things about that. I think part of the reason, too, is that they don't want to continue to process refunds. Probably because it costs them in the long run, and CD Projekt Red is being involved with this, too. That's something, though. Hold on. That that one thing. That's something that most people don't realize, that every company, a refund, costs them money. Yes. But if they, they lose, they, they it's not only that they lose the sale. It costs them more the to refund you again. Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. They don't. They, people don't understand that, and people say, like, like it costs them money. I'm like, well, no shit. The jeans you brought from Walmart that are ripped, you're not only getting your money back from Walmart. Walmart's taking those jeans and sending them back to the manufacturer. They'll get a credit. They won't get the full credit back. They won't get the full price of those jeans back. They won't even get what they paid for those jeans back. They yeah. get a they get a small percentage. Well, and of and course that, they have to. They 
processed your card payment the first time and took that hit for you to buy yeah. it. Yeah. And then they have to process giving your card or whatever back to right. you unless you do cash. There's a lot to it. There is, and people don't understand that. And when I worked at CVS, it's the same way. You had you had shrink mar- shrink column in your margin for yes. returns, and that and people don't understand how much that well, is. Well, and it's stealing and returns. So you no, try no, and keep. No, or, did no, they separate it? They they separate it. That's nice. And GameStop um, shrink was stealing and defective. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, like it's it's considered shrink is considered. CVS was weird. Their loss prevention had its own tab. And then there was shrink scattered in other tabs. Like you shouldn't be damaging out this many products a week. Sure. When in reality it was way more. Yeah. But uh, because people will come through and like most people don't know this, but if you go to CVS and like you twist the top of a, ball, a thing of lotion and use lotion on the shelf because people do that because they're assholes. Um, see if you see that it's like that's automatically like damaged out. Like we won't keep that on the shelf. We won't like let somebody buy that. Which or I say we, they won't let somebody buy that. See, I'd be like, you buy that because you just used it. You, you have would, to buy it, you or you're going to call so, cops. <laughs> and you would think so. Then there's people trying on lipstick. Ugh. Yeah, because people are assholes. Anyways, <laughs> I'm cussing a lot this episode. I apologize, but it's okay. But to lead to the thing about what I wanted to talk about, I think that the way they've handled returns in the long run is good across the board. Right. And I was also glad to see because the way it was originally worded, I was at work. I was like, does that mean I'm not going to be able to play on PlayStation at all? No. I was like, are they going to force refunds on people? Because that'd be weird. Uh, I mean, digitally. That, that, that would digitally. be. Of course, that, you can't do anything about this. That would be the opposite way in digital rights for me that yes, I would want to. Me too. They they handled it. Perfectly, because if you if you own the game digitally, you still have access to yes. it. If you refund it, you lose access to it, which you should. Yes. People were complaining about that. Like there was an Xbox tweeter uh, or Twitter that posted an Xbox fanboy or whatever. He posted. He's like, I, so I can't. Are you telling me that if I refund Cyberpunk, I still can't play it? I'm like, no, you dumbass. If I refund a <laughs> pair of jeans at Walmart, can I still wear them? No. Oh. People are wild. Okay, but going to that, I actually think I agree with where Xbox landed on this better. In one simple reason. Sony has completely taken choice away from people. And I understand that that comes at the cost of them not having to do more refunds. But by Microsoft choosing to put a disclaimer that lets people know and still buy on their own accord, I think it leads to the people who right now, if you've been hearing good things about Cyberpunk and you just want to roll the dice and see if you get a good roll and want to be playing it right now on PlayStation 4, but you want to do so digitally or a better example is you have a digital PS5, you sold your PS4, the only thing you can play is digital games, and you hadn't bought Cyberpunk yet, but you wanted to roll those dice because it's not that bad on PS5 in comparison. That choice is gone now. There's a great reason for that, though. Well, I understand that, but at the same time, Microsoft ends up having it to where you can refund it, which is really already their normal policy, just extended to where even if you played for 20 hours, but it's been really broken, they're like, don't worry. You'll completely lose access to it, but we will refund you. Whereas you can still choose to roll the dice. Now, physical is the great equalizer there because you can't do anything about physical. So if you can go find a physical, anybody can play it besides people who own digital only consoles. Well, it's just you, rough. Did you hear about that too? So far that as of today that I've seen and I've looked, you yeah. can only refund the game at Best Buy that's been opened. Uh, yeah. Best Buy did it until Monday. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to come about it, but CD Projekt Red have said they'll pay for physical uh, refunds out of their own pocket if it comes to it. Now, yeah. I don't know what that means and what it's going to actually materialize into. For, mo- for most people that don't know, you cannot buy a game at any retailer and then open it up and get your money back. You will get a gift card with the store credit or you'll get an exact replacement. You cannot get the same thing back. But most places just won't let you return it outright at all. 
Well, it de- yeah, if it's opened. It I, depends. I, I, last time that I had to return a game, it, it was Rayman, uh, The Great Escape 2, on uh, or Rayman 2, The Great Escape for DS, because my dad got that as a gift for us, and we did not realize that was the same game we had on PC. Yeah. Um, or he didn't. But this is why I commend Sony for doing it their way. Because CD Projekt Red knows that Sony does not have a proper return policy. They have one, but it's not proper. It's just they, they have it so they can say they have it. Xbox has somewhat of one, of a decent one, and then of course Steam is the winner. CD Projekt Red knowingly said to go back to Sony to get your refund. So Sony was like, "Screw you guys." Yeah, no, Sony was like, "Listen, <laughs> you're not getting no sales during Christmas. We're taking this game off of our shelves." And yeah. I I commend them for that because a they fought back. On something they should have, and B, they did it in Boss Sony style, and was like, "Cool, we're going to issue refunds now. We're going to we're going to lose a, some money. They could lose eight million dollars on refunds, and it's not going to hurt Sony. Um, I mean, it will, but it, in the grand scheme of things, they have money. But they they did this as a statement. They're like, I think so too. Yeah, and I think that's why I commend them for this. Is but because, it's that thing where it's a statement that has to come at the cost of other people's choice as well. Now it's fine. That's fine. It's, it's not the most important choice in the world. The, that's but. the problem. Is that like let's say that somebody buys it and then has to return it. Well, I mean, like like you said, it will cut down on future returns. But mm-hmm. don't even allow that for an option. Instead, hurt the developer immediately because if somebody wants it bad enough on PlayStation, they'll just go buy it physically. Yeah, so that's here's, the thing. You're only cutting out unless you own a digital PS5. The final catch-all, though, as to while while Sony may have done something there, I think the biggest thing that I've kind of pulled away from what's happened here is that CD Projekt Red has been pretty candid about something that does fall a lot on their shoulders, but I think it falls just as equally on Microsoft's and Sony's, in that the reason the game was able to be released in this excuse me, in this fashion is because like we talked about, the game went gold and then delayed. Right. And we were like, what does that mean? Well, at the time it went gold and then delayed when the delay hit CD project red basically told Sony like, Hey, you know, we'll have it all fixed for day one. And Sony and Microsoft, neither one checked actually made them go through normal certification QA, QA process. Testing, yeah. So it is, it is not just as much, but realistically, I guess it's the case. It's just as much Sony and Microsoft's fault that a broken game hit market on their console. To be fair, though, that's more fuel for Sony's anger because it's like this is a reputable, this is a reputable game to dev. Yeah, we don't, we don't yeah, got to yeah. test all this, and then they come out and they're like, they said what? They said we'll give people refunds. Oh, we'll give people refunds. All right, your game's not going on the store there at Christmas. Yeah. So honestly, I I think that's. I'm more mad at the situation at hand, not because like, I was burned by it. I was, I've said months ago I'm waiting until I get a console to play this game anyways, a new yeah, console. Sure. Um, and now that I, it's just going to be a couple more months wait for me. I'm just going to wait to get the game when it's fixed. But I think I'm more miffed at the fact that all of the stuff that I have problems with in the game industry has checked every single box on this game. And this is a prime example on why this has to change. And that's one reason why I commend Sony for this is because now that's a big that's a big ass statement to make on if you launch a game that's broken and then you claim we'll give you refunds, we'll just take your game off our shelves. Yeah. That's going to lose them millions of sales in the Christmas holiday right now. Millions. Most people who got it day one or wanted day one already got it. But there are people who are going home with their PlayStation fives and they're like, you know what? I want to install this and have it ready under the tree for my kid. Now you can't give a kid a broken ass game. Even though on PS5 it's not broken. But still. Or at least it's less broken. Yeah, okay. Mileage yeah. may vary on literally every system. Yeah. There I, are people I'll say from, PC is the most stable one, and even people on PC are like, I've had the only weird pose I've had, because you've been seeing people put like videos of people riding motorcycles and suddenly in third person they're in T pose standing on their motorcycle without pants on. 
No, I haven't seen that. I've okay, seen a again, lot of weird motorcycle ones. That's though. what I mean. People say these things. The only time that a pose has been weird, and I didn't even really know at first, is that there's a mission where you're talking to Judy, and she's, for me, she was standing in a somewhat weird pose, but in a sense where I was like, but it doesn't look completely unnatural. I could see them doing it on purpose. Yeah. And so I was talking to her. I was like, okay. And at first I had that little moment of, is this a glitch? Okay, well, it's still staying, so I guess it's not. Then suddenly, halfway through the conversation, she snaps to sitting and then snaps to standing back up for a split second before sitting the rest of the conversation. Not like an animation like she sat down, but more like she was supposed to be sitting the whole time, I think. You know what? If this game just did that once every couple of hours of me playing, that'd be perfectly fine. But that's what I mean. It's the experience for me outside of the crashing, which again, at first was none and then got worse. I was like, man, this game really isn't that bad. And even the cigarette floating there, it almost looked like one of those music videos where they have somebody moving and then it keeps yeah. a part of their arm and then it comes back and then it keeps moving with it. But I was like, these are, it's like the, the floating cell phone. I realized that what that is is that a character was talking on the phone, walked in that area, and for some reason the cell phone just disconnected. Uh, very, I almost didn't even catch it. I was talking to Wakako, one of the fixers that you get jobs from like side quests and gigs and stuff. She was talking to me about something. She raised her hand and like three feet from her, her cell phone rose with it because it was like connected. And again, I, it was the very side of the screen. I almost didn't see it, but I laughed because I was like, it's small stuff that you expect from these types of games. It's weird because I can't think somebody, please prove me wrong. Name one open world game to launch in the last 10 years without bugs like that. Yeah, it depends on the scale. I just, mean, no, no, no. Just like bugs like that to even be uncommon. Like it's, it happens once or twice an entire playthrough. Yeah, I can't think of a game like that. So I'm much more tolerant to bugs like that. No now, game releases without bugs. Frame rate dipping uh, constantly. Uh, frame pacing problems. Uh, weird controller problems. And I mean that like kind of like Greedfall, like where no matter what, it felt like there was dead space or not dead space, but um, <laughs> the visceral game from 2008. <laughs> You mean the one they're remaking one of? Kind of, sort of? Was that... In what, the PUBG universe. Was that Marcus from um, Detroit? No, but I... I it looks I, like it looked like Similar, him. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's not. I him. was watching it all from my phone because my internet cut out during that. But <laughs> um, anyways, we're not doing a convenience take next week, are we? No, we're going to keep it off until New Year's. So okay. we'll, it'll come back with, uh, with a, probably our New Year episode. So we'll, we'll we'll pose a question on the episode that's closest that's to next, New Year. That's next week's. Yeah, uh, we should have a community take this week. Yeah, we, we just won't. We're good. I mean, if you want to talk, wait. What are you talking about? That's next week. No, I'm saying we'll ask the question on the New Year's episode. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I'm we're like, just we're chilling, man. We're okay. having time with family. Yeah. We're enjoying. We're still gonna get together and record and give you guys some uh, some stuff. But you know, I'm gonna go home and play uh, Hades. Actually, you know what? Hey, I gotta give a quick shout out though, real I quick. Some dinner for my. I'm, I mean, hey, I did put a lot of work into this, and so did Casey. If you want to go check out my music project, our EP released. It's Abzideon, A-B-S-I-D-E-O-N. I don't love the name. I, oh, okay. I know it sounds weird to say that. Naming a band is hard. You should have just called it Brett and the Drunk Monkeys. You can call it Obsidian if you want. I don't care. It's I will always call it Obsidian. I'm, and I'm fine with that. It's not technically how you pronounce that based off of phonics, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. We used phonics again in the last week. Look at that. Hooked the, on phonics. The simulation's breaking. But uh, yeah, if you want to go check it out, our EP called Reflection is six songs. Uh, a, a, some of you that are in the Discord and stuff have already seen it and posted it. But if you want to go check it out, it, there are so many like different styles in that that I think that there's something for a little bit of everyone. But I just put a lot of work and effort into it. I just want people to hear it. That's the whole point of making stuff like that. I play the drums on that album, so y'all go enjoy. 
I actually wondered how many people thought from hearing me say it like and be like, oh, our, our things. I'm like, do they think Saul's part of I'm this? I'm not part of this band. Except <laughs> I play the drums on every song. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so. it. That's exactly what he did. Uh, <laughs> even though we have no community stake. So I'm going to have f- you come in and play bass on the next song. I'm sorry, but. Do it. Write your tabs and I'll come do it. You uh, haven't played the bass in 18 years. I haven't played the bass in like eight years. Um, <laughs> but. Even though there's no communities uh, take, feel free to discuss with us on Twitter over at TriangleSQRD as well as our Discord in the link description. YouTube comments if you want to. That's cool, too. And, uh, yeah, we want everybody to have a good Christmas. Be safe. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Uh, Have fun. Don't eat a lot of food and feel like crap the next day. But most importantly, enjoy You're the time. You're not supposed with, to do that. I feel like I do it every year, but it, don't. I'm I do it every day. I won't. No, now that <laughs> I've been doing, I've been doing, I've been doing healthier lately. Um, Proud of you. But I will say this: keep safe, enjoy this time, spend it with your favorite games, your loved ones, whatever you want to do. Just make sure it is your time to enjoy because it is that season. And hit us up on Twitter and Discord. Let us know what you're doing to enjoy it as well. And uh, yeah, I'll be off. Playing Hades, uh, Destiny, maybe Demon Souls if I'm lucky. I don't know. Maybe Santa will come early this year. I've been a, I've been a naughty boy, so let's not, probably not. And uh, yeah, fine naughty. <laughs> the show is PG-13, hence no f words. But uh, yeah, if uh, you like the show, be sure to like us, subscribe, and uh, of course share it with your friends. That is the best way that you can help us out. Um, you can also help support the show by going to Patreon.com/Nartech where we have some cool gift uh, giveaways every three months. If you've been a subscriber or a patron for three months and uh, you know, that stuff right there helps us with the set, helps us get all the cool little decorations you see every year, as well as maintain stuff. Like uh, if we needed new microphones or something, these are uh, not the cheapest microphones in the world that we could replace them with that. Yeah. And another way you can just, dis- uh, you can support us, which is somewhat new is you can go over to manscaped.com and use discount code SQRD. Get you twenty percent off and your free shipping, and, and you know what they always say: your balls will love you. Thank you, but I guess you know yeah. your balls will love you as well. That's cool. Uh, well, your Merry Christmas, guys. You, yeah, <laughs> my balls love me. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know a joke I heard today? Blaze sent me a video. Is when when girls wake up in the morning, why do they rub their eyeballs? Why they don't have balls to scratch? <laughs> That's so stupid. I rub my wait wait. Why do I rub my eyeballs then? You want to hear another dumb joke? How do you how do you fit eight Snorlaxes on a school bus? Oh God! How you poke them on? <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas, guys! We'll see y'all next week. Shout out to our patrons: Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich. Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Richard Schaefer. Again, if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we are ever so thankful for, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. You want to hear another dumb joke? What? Not now. Who's there? These nuts. <laughs>